Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, we are super excited to have you worship with us today. And I have something on my heart that I think is going to be impactful. Now, one of the things that I would like to see each and every one of you do is this, is to go get, wherever you're at right now, a notepad and a pen and begin to take notes. This is most definitely going to be one of those sermons where you're going to want to take notes. And this is for everyone who is going through the middle of a tough transition right now, or what we could say is a tough time. In fact, this was written uh, to the direct correlation of how to handle transition and drama. So this is what you're going to see come up on the screens here next to me. This is what we're going to talk about this weekend, is how do I handle when life goes through a transition, And how do I handle when life goes through trauma? Uh, I was going to speak this week on forgiveness, and I think we'll still get to that later on in the next couple of weeks. But I had something that I just could not get out of my heart. Here recently, I'd gotten back on Twitter just to engage with our church family a little bit. And I'd gotten off for a period of time just because I didn't want all the news circulating around me 24-7. But I got back on to engage with a few church members. And when I did, I came across this tweet. They'll put it up on the screens. Here's what it said. Uh, We are experiencing a collective trauma. Similar to other traumas, we will see a range of responses. People are experiencing sadness, anxiety, fatigue, frustration, denial, numbness, and anger. Have compassion for yourselves and others. Now, I love the last part of that because we all know to have compassion for others, but I like how the author of this tweet was telling us to also have compassion for ourselves. Like, this is a time that we're not used to. That we're walking through an environment that I don't care who you are, things around us are changing. And we need compassion for ourselves when we are demonstrating less than our best self. So I read that tweet and I thought, you know, that's a good tweet. And I kind of moved on, that kind of thing. But I couldn't get rid of it from my heart. And the more I tried to study about forgiveness, the more this tweet just kept coming back up in me. And I went back and looked at the tweet. And this time what came out to me was the first sentence. We are experiencing a collective trauma, Uh, meaning as a collective, us as a nation, and really us as a world right now, we are walking through something. Now, this uh, talk and discussion is directly written for those who are being affected by this trauma more than others. But I want to let you know that even if you are not going through like an extraordinarily tough time right now, that if you do your share of living, life will throw at you deaths, life will throw at you disappointments, and you'll go through a season of transition. And this is designed, I feel like by God, to be a resource that not only can you use in this season of your life, but also to use for any season of life where you come up, where you're going through a tough time. Or maybe some of you right now have loved ones in other states or loved ones in other, maybe even nations, uh, who are really going through the fire right now, and 
they need to know how to handle it. Now, what we're going to discuss right now is something that I would love for you later to journal about. And I know for some of you, journaling may be the furthest thing from your mind right now. But I want to encourage you that this is absolutely the perfect time to start a journal. And maybe for you, that's a prayer journal, or maybe for you, it's just a natural journal. We're recording what happens in your day. But I would love for you to walk through this process with a journal because I think it will be a blessing to you. Now, in trauma, anytime it happens, next screen, anytime it happens, you move away from certainty to uncertainty. So anytime you walk through a drama, before the trauma, you had certainty, like you could have things in life that you could count on, a job that you can count on, a friend that you could count on, a church that you can count on. But when your life goes through trauma, that is interrupted. So maybe that friend is no longer your friend, or maybe that loved one is going through an illness, or maybe you're going through an illness, but life begins to kind of turn on its head, and you move from certainty to uncertainty, and whenever that happens, you are going to experience emotion. Now, a lot of those emotions will be emotions like anger or sadness or uh, grief. Oftentimes for men, it is anger. And maybe some of you men who are watching this, you've noticed like you've gotten very angry with the news or maybe very angry with some politicians or whatever it may be. Angers is one of, anger is one of the best demonstrators of pain. So whenever you see someone getting angry, it's really masking pain. They're going through some type of trauma. They're going through some type of pain because we're shifting from certainty to uncertainty. Now, there are four types of trauma that each one of us will face in our life. You have the expected, the unexpected, the personal, and the communal. Let's talk about each one of these in detail. For the expected, what this just simply means is you could see it coming. Like when you looked at life, you could kind of forecast in the future, I'm about to go through a change. So for some of you, it could be when you found out your wife was pregnant. Or if you're the wife, you found out you were pregnant. You could begin to forecast that in about nine months, life is going to change. And if you are pregnant and you don't think that right now, let me just tell you, life is going to change. How you handle money is going to change. Your sleep is going to change. It's an expected drama. Like you can see on the front end of time, like life is going to change. Another one of these examples could be uh, retirement. As you get closer to retirement age, you can kind of forecast, okay, life's about to change. Or like for me and my wife, we have teenagers now. Isn't that hard to believe? I have a teenager now. I just, uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, but later on, like when they move out of the house, like we can expect to go through a change of season. We can expect a transition. And I'm already beginning to prep my wife for that season and for that transition because I know how much we are connected to our children. So of all the traumas that we experience, this one is the easiest because you can prepare for it. You see it coming. The next level is the unexpected. And this is where you didn't see it coming. And it could be you go into the doctor and you get a bad diagnosis. And this diagnosis is shifting your world. It could be some of you over the last couple of weeks, maybe you lost a job and that was completely unexpected. And now all of a sudden you move from certainty of this paycheck that's coming in every two weeks uh, and now you're in this water of uncertainty where you don't know where their next paycheck is going to come from and it's, it's moved over into trauma because it was completely unexpected. 
Uh, so we all face things like this. I can remember when my father passed away when I was 17, it was trauma, and it was an unexpected trauma. I did not expect to be walking through that at 17 years of age. Uh, we just are merging with another church, and I was talking to uh, some of those people from the church that we are merging with on the other side of town, and I was with a lot of them yesterday, and we're talking, and it was unexpected, and it's traumatic because there's uncertainty there of will I be valued, and of course they will be, but they don't know. And so anytime I'm in uncertainty and it's unexpected, there's this trauma in me because I'm constantly on the search for certainty. So there's an unexpected drama. And sometimes you have the next level, a personal trauma, where say like you had this glorious friendship. You ever had a great friend? Thank God for like good friends. But you ever had a great friend that just wasn't your friend anymore? And like it's personal. And you can tell other people how much you're hurt that they're not your friend. And they can know your pain, but they can't really share in your pain because they weren't connected to that person like you were. Or maybe like in your household right now, each person is kind of handling what's going on in our world differently. It's because it's a personal trauma of some may be going through a level of fear that others may not be going through and they could explain to someone else why they're feeling that way and that person could get understanding but they couldn't really share the emotion uh, because it's a personal trauma. So sometimes drama can be very personal where I wrestle with it on an inward basis and then sometimes it can be incredibly communal. Uh, and, and we see examples like this because we live kind of in a state where weather can be volatile, if you will, where a tornado hits a community. And now an entire community is in a shared trauma. Or a hurricane comes up and hits the coast. And now the whole coast or this region of the coast is going through a shared drama. And they're all trying to like pick up their community, get back to certainty, all of those things. Now, anytime this happens in this process of all these dramas, you're fighting for something. You're fighting to get back to certainty and stability. Anytime you go through drama, this is what you're aiming for. You're trying to get back to this place. Now, you have heard this all throughout our news media and all throughout conversations you've had with other people. You hear this phrase a lot during this season, I just can't wait to get back to normal. I just can't wait to, to get back to some semblance of a normal life. I just want to go back to the way things were. Now, why do we say those things, back to normal, back to the way things were? Because normal was certain. Normal had stability. And our mind freaks out whenever we move over into uncertainty. It breaks out on all these kind of emotions. So whether it's a communal drama or personal drama or expected drama or an unexpected drama, all of us are on the search for certainty and stability, trying to get our lives back to that place. Now, here's what Scripture tells us, and they'll put this up on the, the next screen. In our lives, things will die. Like, this is incredibly unfortunate. And I will say this, not God's best. It is not God's best that things die. But you remember when he came back to Adam and Eve and he told them, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Like you're going to introduce death into the earth. At that time, the lion was laying down with the lamb. At that time, a tree was never, never withering. At that time, there was no death in the earth. But as soon as man died, man introduced death into the earth, and now we see death all the time. You see trees die. You see relationships die. 
Some of you had friendships that were flourishing 10 years ago. Do you know, I read a report the other day. Excuse me. I didn't read it. I don't want to exaggerate, especially on the stage while I'm preaching. Occupational hazard. Um, but uh, my wife actually told me this. I didn't read it. That most friendships have a lifespan of five to seven years. Most friendships, like really great friendships, have a lifespan of five to seven years. Do you know most mortgages and, and co- mortgage companies uh, kind of build out their framework of 30-year loans knowing that the average consumer will change houses every seven years? So it's like every seven years we go through changes of friendships. Every seven years we'll go through a change of house. Some of us will go through changes of jobs. Some of us, like myself, you'll have a death in the family. And you'll have a death of a mom or a father. In life, we will experience death. And until Jesus comes, every single one of us will. And I want to comfort you in the feelings that you're feeling right now. If you're walking through a season like that, you're not alone. Until we all go to heaven where every tear is wiped away from our eyes by our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we will all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Every one of us. But here's something I want to encourage you in, is that you don't have to be pushed through this valley. You can actually walk through it. And and for those of you who are going through like a really dramatic time right now, you can walk through it. And what I want to give you today is a tool that you can use to walk through a time of transition, to walk through a time of hurt, that can be very useful for everyone who is facing this. Now, this is called the five stages of Eastertide. And I think this is so important because right now, even on a calendar, we're walking through these stages. And I I honestly think that when these stages are complete, even our natural calendar, we're going to see a massive shift take place in the world because I don't think the timeline of what we're facing as a nation with this pandemic, which by the way, the pandemic incorporates the last three of the most severe traumas. It was unexpected. It impacts each one of us personally in a different way. And it's also a shared trauma and that the whole world right now is sharing in the overall effects of this. But I don't think it's any coincidence that the the, the span of this is happening during this season of life because it actually follows the five stages of Eastertide. Now, with Eastertide, what we're talking about is at Easter, the tide shifted. At Easter, there was a massive change in the earth, and it followed five stages, and I want to walk you through each one of these five stages today. The first stage is Good Friday. This is where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was buried and laid in a tomb. On Good Friday, something died. Next stage, on Easter Sunday, we see something came to life and it was better than it ever was before, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then the 40 days, from the time Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection, it wasn't like, peace out, boys, you got it from here. He is teaching them how to interact with him in a new way. He's walking with them in this new season. He knows that this event changed everything. Then this is important. Jesus knew that this event, Good Friday, the death of things, changed everything. 
So he did not just say, you guys, figure it out. I'm going to heaven. Best of luck. Best wishes. He's like, no, I'm going to walk with you for the next 40 days. I'm going to demonstrate my goodness to you for the next 40 days. I'm going to be there with you for the next 40 days. And for 40 days, he helped them adapt to what was new in their world. Then you have, number four, the ascension. Christ rose uh, in the, the heavens and he was taken up to heaven. And during the ascension, he placed his blessing upon his disciples. And this is where instead of holding on to what was past, you are letting it go. And when you're letting it go, you're also letting it bless you. So it's not just letting go of the past, you're letting the past bless you. This is the ascension. And then number five, the day of Pentecost, is the coming of the Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind, and Pentecost is the final Sunday in May, and I wouldn't doubt it if we're having church here in this facility on that Sunday. Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind and empowers God's people for this new season, for the complete removal of the old into a more glorious future with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about each one of these stages and how they work in your life. And this is where the journaling process begins. Number one, Good Friday, this is where you name your deaths. You remember this moment, Joshua's kind of crying over Moses. Moses has died. They're on the cusp of the promised land. You remember this mo moment in the, 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 the book of Joshua? God comes to Moses and he says something very interesting. And this is what he says. Moses is dead. And it's like, that's kind of harsh, God. Like to come back in and just name, name it like that. Like Moses is dead. Elvis has left the building. Like, it's this moment where you're coming and you're acknowledging that something had died. Now, I can't begin to overstate how important this is. One of the first, well, not one of, the first stage of grief is denial, where you're acting like nothing has changed, where you're acting like it's not bothering you where you're acting like, oh, it's fine, it's okay, everything's great. That's the first stage of grief is denial. And what you're doing with, with this, naming your deaths, Good Friday, is you're saying, it has died. Like, this season of my life, it has died. Like, there are things for all of us, for every single one of us, once this pandemic is completely over in the natural, there will be things where everything has changed for so many people. There will be moments where a business has changed for forever, where travel has had changes made in it for forever. Those are global things, but in your own life, there may be things that change. There may be things that happen in your children during this process that change forever. And it's important to come into this place where you're naming your death. And the reason why is you want to move from experiencing the emotion to understanding it. Like you don't want to just be angry. You want to find out why am I angry? You don't want to just be sad. You want to find out why you're sad. You don't want to just be scared. You, under, you want to understand why you're scared. And in this moment, what you're saying is, is it happened, but it's not happening. Now, this is so important. 
Oh, this is so important. Especially if you're living, listening to podcasts right now and you're in your car. Save this for you can sit down with a journal. I want you to write this phrase. It happened, but it's not happening. My father passing away was the most traumatic event I ever had in my life. It happened. But what I want is I want healing so that it doesn't keep happening. Like, I don't want to have that be 20 years ago, and I'm still wrestling with the, the pain of it. Like, I want to come in, and I want to acknowledge, like, my father died. Like, my relationship with him this side of heaven is always going to be different. That I will have heaven. And I'm so thankful that death is not goodbye, but death is see you later. Like, I... I love that. But I also have to come to this place where I understand it happened, it died, and it's time to move on. Like, it it happened, Moses is dead, but there is a promised land. My father has died, but I can't stay a victim to that for the next 20 years. It happened, and I have to come to this place of acceptance. Now, here's what I want, because this word acceptance gets overused. Acceptance is not passivity. Now, this is an important point. They'll put it on the screen. Acceptance is not passivity. Like, what I mean by passivity is acceptance is not like, oh, I'm just such a victim and my father died and everything changed and everything's different and, oh, what am I going to do? Like, acceptance is not passivity. Acceptance is saying, okay, Moses has died. I understand that season of life will not be the same. That friendship will not be the same. What I'm going through, it will not be the same. And I'm writing that down. I'm naming that death. This happened, but I refuse to let it keep happening. I'm picking up the pieces of my life, and I'm moving forward. I'm accepting it, but not in a way where I'm passive, like, ha, this happened. But I'm like, no, it happened, and now I'm moving forward. I want to name my death. Good Friday. Second thing is this, number two, Easter Sunday. And on Easter Sunday, this is where you want to see your strengths, Okay, on Good Friday, you're seeing your deaths. On Easter Sunday, you are now seeing your strengths. Now, this this is the most important part of the whole message. Like, if you don't get this, none of the other stuff matters. Like, this is so good. I want to encourage you. Like, this is so good. Make sure you take notes on this. In God, death is never an ending. It is always a new and better beginning. Now, the example that we're using is Eastertide. When Jesus was buried and died on Good Friday, when he rose again on Easter Sunday, he didn't come out the same Jesus. He didn't come out of that process the same. It wasn't like, nothing changed, boys. Everything's just like it was. No, he came out, this is key, he came out better He he came out in this place where before you had to be where Jesus was. Now you can speak his name and Jesus can be wherever you are. Before you had to find him. Where's Jesus? And get next to him. Now two or three can gather in his name and there he is in the midst of them. See, the death actually paved the way. Oh, this is, I I just want to speak this prophetically. Some of you are watching and listening to this right now. And you've experienced the death of something in your life. In this season, you've experienced maybe it is the death of a job. Did you know in God that death was never meant to be an ending, but rather paving the way to a more glorious and better beginning? 
that God could be right now setting something up in your life that is better than anything that you may have lost? Because in God, death is never an ending, but a beginning that is better than the death itself. Even when we die, like as Christians, as believers, even when our natural body dies, which is why we don't have to fear death. I'm not afraid of dying because I know it's not an ending, but rather the beginning of a new and better life than the one that I lost. Like in God, I don't have to fear death. Jesus said when a seed goes into the ground and dies, it doesn't come back out of the ground a seed. It comes back out like this big, beautiful plant. And this is the, the essence of God. Maybe if you, some of you, you've lost a friendship. Did you know it's not the ending of something? It's the beginning of a new and better friendship. Maybe some of you right now, you've lost a city. Did you know that in losing that city, in the death of the place that is that city, that God is setting you up for a new and better city? Come on, somebody. I just feel that so big in my heart that God is setting you up for a new and better city. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to name your strengths. I want you to see what is right in your life. And what you're doing on Easter Sunday is you're doing this. Next screen. You're coming to this place where you're choosing not to mourn over Saul. You remember uh, Samuel invested so much in Saul. This was the guy that he just kind of pinned all of the nation's hopes on. And he's at this place where he's mourning over Saul. And it's just this incredibly emotional experience for him. And God comes to Samuel. He said, Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul? How long will you be in a place where you are wrestling with what happened with Saul. Don't you know there's a David? Don't you know there's something better than what you lost? And I wanna encourage you, like we're not living in the state where we're constantly just accepting the death of something. But we're believing by the grace of Jesus that since this thing has died, it's just paving the way for a new and a better beginning. I'm not gonna mourn over the dead things any longer. I believe that God has something better on the horizon of time. How do I get this faith-filled eye? Let's talk about it. I want you to journal. What's right in your life right now? Okay, like I know everyone might have something in their life that's wrong, but take your focus off of that. What's right right now? Maybe some of you in the middle of this, like you have these beautiful kids who are running around your house and before the pandemic, you were so busy at work that you were not seeing this season. And like you have these kids that now you're not just looking at, but you're seeing What's right in your life right now? Journal it, write it down. What, what, what is good in your life right now? Journal it, write it down. Go through this process of healing. What opportunities do you have now that you didn't have before? Maybe the death of this thing kind of opened up the door for new possibilities. What opportunities do you have now that you didn't have before? Thirdly, what hopes and dreams have I been starving that now I can feed? What hopes and dreams have I been starving that now I can come back and I can feed those dreams? I know I've said this over the past couple of weeks, but I just want to emphasize it. Now's the time, listen to me. Now's the time to dream bigger than you have ever dreamed before. Jesus said, and he was talking about his life, he said, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot spring up into a mighty harvest. But he said, if it dies, oh, come on, somebody. If it dies, it will spring up into a mighty harvest. 
And for some of you, you're trying right now to keep alive something that God has called to die. Because in this season of life right now, there's a time for death. There's a time for life. There's a time for fall and winter where things die. And there's a time for spring and summer. And the longer I try to hold on the fall and winter, the longer it takes me to get over into spring where things are coming to life again. And I just want to encourage you. God's got something better for you. I don't know who you are, but God's got something better for you. God's got something richer for you. God's got something that's a wealthy place for you. But you can't get that as long as you're still mourning over Saul. It's okay to mourn for a minute. I love seeing this picture of Jesus going beside Lazarus' tomb and kneeling at this tomb and weeping. And they're looking at him weeping and they're like, golly, how much he must have loved. Like it, it took kind of, kind of took their breath away of like, wow, Jesus must have loved him. And he knew Lazarus was coming alive again, but he also had this moment where he embraces humanity and he weeps by a tomb. And I want to encourage you, like, it's okay if you've been emotional the last couple of weeks. It's, it's okay if you've been angry. It's okay if you've been sad. It's okay if you've been nervous. It's okay if you've been scared. When Jesus died, he did not ever come back to his disciples and rebuke them for the emotions and weakness they showed in that season. Neither does he rebuke you now. But here's what God, I think, is wanting to say to you by the power of his amazing Holy Spirit. Don't you dare think I'm done. Don't you dare think that Lazarus is not getting out of the tomb. Don't you dare think that this is as good as it gets. Don't you dare think that three months ago was as good as I could do. Don't you dare think that six months ago was the best your life could be. Behold, I want to do a new work. Do you not see it? Will you not embrace it? Will you not go after it? Will you not pursue it like God and his amazing grace is saying, oh, if it dies, it only means a better life is coming. If it didn't work, it only only means I had something else in the works. If it didn't come to pass, it only means that I had something better waiting to come to pass. So put your faith in me. Let your heart relax in me. Let your heart lift up its eyes to me. Believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Today, we're going to close with worship. Next week, we'll continue with the Easter tide message and we'll talk about the final three points. I want to encourage you, don't miss it. But today, let's just rest in the fact that if it dies, it doesn't mean that life is over. It just means that God is paving the way to a glorious new beginning where life is about to be better than it's ever been before. I proclaim that over your life right now. Life is about to be better than it's ever been before. Things are about to be better than it's ever been before. Your marriage is about to be better than it's ever been before. Your relationship with your children is about to be better than it's ever been before. Your finances are about to be better than it's ever been before. Our churches are gonna be better. Our presence of God is going to be better. It's gonna be better than it's ever been before because death is never an ending. It is only setting God up for a brand new and better beginning. It's going to be better than it's ever been before. Word of light today, let's pray and then let's worship over this fact.
Father, we come before you today and we thank you. It's going to be better than it's ever been before. Lord Jesus, today we surrender our lives. We surrender ourselves. We place our lives over into your hand and we believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that your peace just overtakes us like a flood. And you give us the courage to not just name our deaths, but to consider our resurrection, to consider Jesus in all of his glory and all of his splendor, as when he rose from the grave, he rose better than ever before. And Father, we thank you that the same thing is true for anybody going through trauma, for anybody going through transition, that you don't bring them back to the way things were, that you bring them back into a place where it is better than it has ever been before. Father, that is our confidence. That is our trust in you. Because Father, you are so good. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.